Welcome, thanks for joining us. You're about to hear a message from our Wednesday night Solid Rock Youth Group service. Solid Rock is a ministry of Living Word Family Church, and if you'd like to know more, check us out on our website at www.livingwordfamily.org. And specifically, we talked about the Beatitudes last week, where he said, Blessed are the... Blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, for they shall inherit the kingdom. Uh, Blessed are, and he gave a whole bunch of those, and we talked about, we kind of talked through each one of those tonight. And you've got to remember, you've got to remember who is is speaking here. All these people have gathered around to listen to Jesus' teaching to get some insight, like they've heard about him, they know what he's about, okay? How important is, is it to know where the message is coming from? If somebody were to send you a text and said, hey, what's up, big guy? But you don't know the number. Like, you don't have a name entered in. You have no idea whose number this is. You're like, okay, who, who is texting me? What's going on here? Or if you, have, if you receive a text that said, I love you. Or if you receive a text that said, hey, what are you up to tonight? But you didn't know the number. You'd be like, okay, that message would be very, you wouldn't, know, you wouldn't really know what this person is trying to ask or what they're saying. However, if this message comes from somebody that you know, then all of a sudden you can attach an inference, a meaning, a context to that message, right? Right? So if your mom texts you and says, I love you, that's going to mean something a little bit different than your best friend texting you and said, I love you. you know, it's going to be different. Who that message is coming from helps us to infer that meaning, right? Helps us to get the context of that message. Am I right? So, this is why if I, get a, if I get a message from a number I don't know, even if it's, you know, like, oh, shoot, maybe I should know that number or whatever, I always text back and say, I'm so sorry, who is this? I have no idea. Before I answer a question, before I do anything, like, I'd like to know who's messaging me, who's asking me this before I do it. Uh, and it's usually it's just somebody who changed their number and didn't, didn't tell me about it. Gracie. You got like 48 numbers stored for Gracie because every time she messages me about an activity or about something that's from a different number, I'm like, who is this? So now she's used to saying, hey, Matt, it's Gracie. <laughs> just so I know. Anyway, just giving you a hard time. All right. So who the message comes from is important. It's, it's very important who that message is coming from. So when Jesus is speaking to these people, these people are all Jews. They all have a background in the scriptures, in the law, the law of Moses. Okay? So when Jesus is speaking to them, he utilizes that knowledge and shares with them a message based on the law that they already know. Okay? So Jesus is trying to attach his message to something that they know so they have context, all right? And we're going to pick it up, Matthew 5, 17. And Jesus says, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. So what does he do? He's saying, okay, you guys, you were brought up under the law. You know the law. You know the prophets. You know the letters that they wrote. I didn't come to do away with that. I didn't come to give you a new message. What I came to do is to accomplish what they wrote. I came to be the accomplishment of what they wrote. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment or teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So what's Jesus saying? 
He is saying, unless you are more righteous than those religious teachers who thought of themselves as very, very righteous, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Nobody can live up to God's standards. Nobody can be a righteous, perfect person. Nobody. Out of this entire room of people, from the kids who have the, you know, the worst record or the worst home life to the kids who have had the best record or the best home life, whatever the case is, and I know most all of you, I can tell you, ain't none of us perfect. Right? You guys all know, and you guys all know way more about yourselves than I know, so you can probably be like, yep, and there's stuff you don't even know about, Matt. None of, nobody is perfect. None of us can live up to that perfection that God requires of us. He requires righteousness. He requires perfection, and we cannot attain that. Turn to Romans. Mark your, if you've got your Bibles, your phone, mark your spot. Turn to Romans, right after Acts. Romans chapter 3. We're going to be in verse 20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So do you get what he's saying there? It's like you can follow the law to a T, but that still doesn't make you righteous with God. Number one, because it's impossible to follow the law to a T, right? Like no matter what you do, you realize that throughout your day you probably break numerous laws that you don't even know are on the books. So many states and municipalities have these crazy weird laws that you're breaking laws you don't even know about <laughs> just because. I mean, we're talking law books that are libraries deep. I mean, it's just nuts. It's impossible to follow the law 100% perfectly for your entire life. It's absolutely impossible. Okay? So what is he saying? In verse 20, they're saying, no one can ever be made right by, uh, with God by just simply doing the law, what the law commands. It shows us, the law, what the law does is shows us our imperfection. It shows us how messed up we really, really are. So unless you can live a perfect and sinless life, unless you can live a perfect and sinless life, you'll never have that relationship with God. I'm going to share one more scripture with you here real quick. Romans 5, verse 6, starting in verse 6. So you see, Jesus is telling these people, and talking about this, now this is in Romans, this is just, this is just to add to what we're talking about here. But when Jesus is talking to them, he's, he's building on the law and the prophets. He's basically, add, not adding to, but he's, he's, he's talking about completing the law. He's talking about uh, what God has already set out to do and how that will be completed in him. So Romans chapter 5, verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us when? While we were still sinners. So unless you can live a perfect life, we need Christ. We need the grace of God because none of us in here can live a perfect life. We are all going to make mistakes. We are all going to stumble and fall. We all need a Savior. No matter how you feel about it, that's the way it is. That's the truth. And then Jesus goes on to say, go back to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus goes on to say, you've heard it said. And the next couple of messages, we're going to be talking about these. And what Jesus does is he kind of turns their um, uh, perceptions on its head just a little bit. He's going to talk about anger, okay? 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You have heard it said from our ancestors, excuse me, you have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. Makes sense, right? You commit murder, you're subject to judgment. Jesus is saying, you guys have been raised up that way. You've heard our ancestors say, if you murder somebody, you're going to be judged. Now listen to this. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being thought, brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you, are suddenly, you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled. Go and forgive and be forgiven. Be reconciled to that person and come and offer your sacrifice. When you are on the way to court with your enemy, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you to an officer and you'll be thrown in prison. Now listen to this. And if that happens, you you surely won't be free again until you have paid every last penny. What is Jesus talking about here? Settle your differences. If you're angry at somebody, don't stay angry at somebody. Forgive them. Ask them for forgiveness. You reading the scripture? Why don't you turn it to something that's not going to make you giggle? That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, you've heard it said that if you commit murder, you'll be guilty of judgment. But I say... What does Jesus do? Jesus takes it up a notch. He says, if you even think, if you curse somebody, if you're calling somebody names out of anger, if you are uh, um, um, hating somebody in your heart, you are guilty. You are guilty and will be judged for that. Jesus steps it up a notch. Have you ever been so angry with somebody that you just got your, I mean, you, you can almost feel your cheeks flushed and your heart was racing? I remember middle school, I'm typically a pretty non-confrontational person. I'm kind of the kind of person that just rather be just whatever rather than getting into it with somebody, typically. Uh, but I remember there's a couple times throughout, um, throughout my school years where somebody would just rub me the wrong way and I just kind of never got into a fist fight. I'm just, I've never been in a fist fight. But I uh, got to where we just kind of really starting to butt heads with somebody. I remember in middle school in basketball practice, there's another guy. I was the biggest guy on the team. Well, me and one other guy, the two biggest guys on the team. We were down, we were on opposite teams uh, in practice. So we were down in the, in the paint, right, under the hoop or whatever, right? And like I said, I'm not super aggressive, okay? And he was, so he's boxing me out and he's elbowing me and he's hitting me out. And I just started getting mad and more and more mad as every second, you know? And finally, I just blew up. And I said, I can't even remember what I said, but I was, man, I was hot, I was angry. I was like, my heart was racing, my heart was pounding, because I'm, you know, all of a sudden it's coming to a confrontation, and that's just not the type of person I am. So my heart is racing, my face is getting red, and I was like, Lee, knock it off! You know, just like, get off of me or whatever. I mean, I kind of bumped up on him or whatever, and I had to just take a second, I had to cool down. Have you ever been that angry with somebody? Like, you're just about ready to come to blows here. Like, you're about ready to throw fists. I'm sure some of you, and maybe, and you know what, and maybe... Maybe that's an argument between you and a sibling, or maybe there's something between you and your mom or dad, or a family member, or whatever the case is, a friend at school, whatever it is. We've all had those incidents where we've, got, we've just gotten super upset with somebody or angry. Maybe in your anger you, you've, you've cussed them out. Maybe in your anger you've called them, you know, you've, you've called them you know, inappropriate names or something, but you've just been so angry at somebody in your heart, 
Jesus is giving us a new standard right here, okay? It's not just a standard of actually committing physical murder. It's a standard of how you treat that other person. It's a standard of are you walking in anger? Are you calling somebody a dirty name? Are you, what are you doing? This is the standard I have set. So Jesus said, you have heard it said this, but I have said this. We need to be able to walk in forgiveness. We need to be able to forgive somebody. And why is that? Because God has forgiven us through Jesus Christ. God has forgiven us. Anger and unforgiveness can be a prison. Anger and unforgiveness can be a prison. Verse 25 of chapter 5. Um, so yeah, 25 and 26 talks about when you're heading, if you're heading to court to settle an argument, you may as well settle it outside of court because if you get thrown into prison, you're going to pay every last penny of what you owe before you're able to get out. So it's referring to unforgiveness. If there is unforgiveness in your heart towards someone, you're basically, you're putting yourself in prison. You're putting yourself in a position of captivity because until you forgive that person, until you seek reconciliation with that person, you're going to be in bondage to that unforgiveness and to that anger, that bitterness. You know what I mean? Words like anger, loss, desire, regret, frustration, pain, rebellion, escape, desperation, confusion, these are all words of anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. And those words... I don't have the exact figure with me. I forgot to write it down. But those words are in something like 60, 80, 85% of the songs that are written. There's written about pain and loss and regret and hurt and whatever and anger. I mean, this is something that people deal with on a regular basis. This is just as part of the human, quote-unquote, condition. The human condition is to have to deal with these kind of things. And our emotions fire up. Now, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. It's so easy for us to let anger and unforgiveness rule our emotions and rule our lives. If we're not careful, we can carry around hurt and uh, unforgiveness with us for a very, very, very long time. That's not God's desire for us. His desire for us is not to carry that around forever and let that take us captive and take hold of us forever. We are to forgive just as God has forgiven us. I'm going to mention two things to you, and I want you to remember these before we split up into our groups, okay? Number one, forgiveness is a decision that we make in spite of our feelings. Do you feel, always feel like forgiving somebody? No. As a matter of fact, very rarely will you feel like forgiving them. It is a conscious effort to do it despite your feelings. That's number one. Number two, forgiveness is a decision that we make before our feelings change, if they ever do. Sometimes your feelings aren't going to change guess what? It's okay to have those feelings, to have those emotions. It's okay to be hurt. It's okay to be upset. All right? But there comes a point when you have to forgive that person <clears throat> and not hold what they did to you against them. That doesn't mean that you're automatically going to feel better. Although sometimes when you make that decision to forgive someone, there's a weight that is lifted. Sometimes it'll lift right away, and sometimes it will take a little bit longer to lift. But there's a weight there that will be lifted when you make that decision to forgive someone. So what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, do not let anger rise up in your heart against someone. And if that happens, for, if they do something, somebody does something against you, forgive them. Because Jesus sets a higher standard. Not just talking about physical murder, which of course is still very wrong. He's talking about the way we 
approach people in our hearts, the way we think about people, the way we speak about people. If we carry that unforgiveness, Jesus is saying, put that away. Be reconciled. Make, your, make everything right with that person, or you'll be held captive by that until who knows when. If you let that take hold of your life, that bitterness, the Bible says a root of bitterness could take hold and eventually overtake your life. So we need to walk in forgiveness, and we need to, see, we need to treat people the way God has treated us with love grace and forgiveness. And with that, I'm going to let you guys go off and break into your groups. We've got about 10 or 15 minutes, and, uh, and then we'll meet back here for worship.